Live from Sydney, this is General Ike, Building Jerusalem. Our guest today is Igor Proporshikov. Igor is a former Olympic wrestler, wrestling coach, and personal trainer. Igor, pleasure to have you on the show. Pleasure is mine. Uh, you were born in Odessa, Odessa, Ukraine. And you came here at a young age to Australia. 1979, we arrived. I was three years old. So what, do you have uh, a lot of early memories of your time in Odessa or coming here? Not really. I was only, I was only a child when I left, so just very, very, not hardly anything. I don't really remember much about Italy. Because we stayed in Italy for six months and then we came to Australia. Do you remember how you discovered wrestling? My father. Mm-hmm. He um, was looking how to how he can um, tunnel my energy and um, we're trying a few different sports, gymnastics, swimming, um, some team sports, and eventually I um, connected with with grappling, with wrestling. At the PCYC in Randwick, Randwick Botany on, King, on Kingsford. It was Kingsford. Randwick Botany Police Boys Club, it was called, or Daceville PCYC. And that's how you got into, uh, was it Greco Roman wrestling at the time? At the time of freestyle, I was, I was about six years old. You started at six? Yeah. And like, how, was there a moment for you that switched it from like, oh, this is something fun that I do to like, wow, this is it? I don't know. It's just kind of something I did. Just, you know, just something I did. I just kept doing it and still still kind of doing it. Fair enough. Um, what was it like for you wrestling uh, in high school? Did you get to compete in teams? Uh, well, wrestling's an individual sport, so mm-hmm. you might be in a team, but when you're competing, you're competing by yourself. So it's an individual sport. Uh, but yeah, wrestled wrestled in high school, um, mostly local competitions in in Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. Um, I did have an opportunity when I was thirteen to go to America, Canada, Hawaii, and and do some. I was a wrestling tour that the New South Wales Federation um, selected some athletes. I was lucky enough to get on that team. I was the youngest on the team. I was I think I was thirteen years old, and. Um, yeah, it was a great experience. Did really well. Out of eleven matches, I won nine. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that 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 kind of really excited me about the sport of wrestling, and um, made me aspire to have some goals like go to the Olympics one day and 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 compete there, compete, compete for your country. And um, eventually, I progressed and did that. So that was like when you were 13, yes. you started thinking, oh, maybe I got what it takes. I can yeah. get to the Olympics. Yeah. Did that shift the way that you uh, approach wrestling? That moment for you, that? Like, uh, so I, I remember it's quite, I can't remember who, which, who it was exactly, but one of the great guitarists, he said, I've never practiced guitar in my life. I've only played, right? I picked it up. I loved it. I did it a lot. But then like you have like um, Muhammad Ali said, training was tough. I hated every minute of it. But I told myself, don't quit. Suffer now and live the rest of your life a champion. So there are like these two different attitudes uh, very much to get yeah. better. Yeah. The well, with wrestling, it's not something you can just um, pick up and start doing. You need to practice and practice a lot. It's... Um, follows the the mentality of Bruce Lee, you know, how he says he does not fear the man that has practiced 10,000 kicks once. He fears the man that has practiced one kick 10,000 times. So you work on a movement and you practice it and, 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 and purify it to the point where it becomes second nature. Was there a lot of that for you of, of just drills of the same 100%, movement? 100%, yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty much... Um, the whole training session, you do you do a, a good a good warm up, um, which to most people the warm to do a warm up will be a workout, and most people cannot do it because it involves a lot of gymnastics, mm-hmm. a lot of acrobatics, flexibility, endurance, 
And then there's a lot of techniques involved, which that also inquires a lot of flexibility, endurance, acrobatics. And then towards the end of the session, you'll, you'll throw in some matches. So you have an opportunity to practice the skills you've been practicing in a real life scenario. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So there's, it's more of a focus on the, the drilling uh, than there is on the actual matches. Yes, it's always like that. Because you, you need to you need to know how to how to wrestle. You need to know how to submit your opponent. You need to know how to dominate your opponent. It doesn't just happen because generally, um, when you're competing against another opponent, it's all weight division. So most of the time, your opponent will be of equal strength, equal fitness levels, and you know equal technique levels as well. The, the trick is who who has been practicing that little bit more, who wants it that little bit more, who's going to push their bodies that little bit more, who's going to prepare themselves that little bit more, and the ones that do spend the time and the effort doing these things are the ones that are going to be victorious at the end. Mm-hmm. Do you do you remember what your training regime was like in high school? <clears throat> yeah, I used to train. I used to train quite a bit. I used to. Going through high school, I remember pretty much most mornings I'll, I'll be waking up, going for a run before school. That was just a regular thing um, <clears throat> by myself, just getting up, going. Sometimes I'd have um, other like-minded people um, running with me. Sometimes um, when my coach was alive back then, he um, used to try and encourage the teammates to get together in the mornings and do, do a run before, before going to school. Run body weight exercises, some, some some activities, some some techniques. You know, just get the body moving, get the body fluent in the movements. Mm-hmm. What were you running uh, for distance at the time? Well, you always try and beat your time. You always try and um, be competitive that way. So always try uh, try and be better than you were yesterday. So um, either you're going to be running a little bit more. Or you've got a certain distance that you you're running regularly, so you know your time. So if it's if the time's going to be a little bit longer, you know you're running slower. If it's going to be quicker, you know you you're pushing it well. What's that, what sort of distances were you running in high school? <clears throat> Usually between five to ten k. Oh, that's not bad. Um, when you graduated high school, did the training ramp up again? I had a choice. I had a choice to to play com- competitive rugby league or stay 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 in wrestling. And um, around that around that time, I was I finished year ten and I got an apprenticeship as a motor mechanic. Mm-hmm. And my European parents did not believe in sport, paying paying, making money out of sport and all that. So they pushed me towards a, a career that I don't I don't do currently. But at that time. I listened to my parents and I did the apprenticeship and I had to sacrifice rugby league and I just stayed with wrestling and then I just progressed in that. If you had to do it over, would you have gone into rugby league? Oh, if I had to do it over, I don't know. Maybe I would have just um, stayed in school, kept playing rugby league and um, see where see where, where, where life would take me. If I could do it all over again, I probably would have stayed at school and kept kept playing rugby and kept wrestling and um, just kept doing the sports and um, tried to try to pick a better career career path that that would would service 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 life mm-hmm. or just be smarter with your money investments buy up some properties back then and just hold on <laughs> to it and um, live off the rent <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh, what is it the best way to pri- buy property is invent a time machine for Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a very, very nice way of looking at it. Or make more money. Or make more money. Fair. When was, when was it for you? Uh, so you were in the 2000 Olympics. Yeah, qualified for the 2000 Olympics. When was it that you were like, wow, this is actually going to happen? Well, um, it was the Oceania Championships. Um, I remember it was 99 or, or 2000, early 2000, just before the Olympics. Um, I think it might have been just before, just, I think it was, I think it was 2000. 
we're having the Oceania Championships in Melbourne. And um, um, yeah, I, I, had, I had a bit of an accident just before it. I um, was playing basketball and I rolled my ankle pretty badly. <laughs> and I got a, I got a little, a lot of swelling and I got a, in the x-ray it showed a little chip coming from the bone. So there was a slight fracture in it. And I thought that was like three, three days out of weighing. So I thought there, there, there's my Olympic dream gone. So um, I was lucky enough, my, my coach had, had, had experience in really bad ankle traumas. So he, he just laid me on the, on, on, the, on the bed, elevated my, my ankle, and we started doing some serious ice therapy, which included um, a bucket of water and ice, and just keep icing that leg, keep icing that leg to bring the swelling down. Um, then the following day, we, we went to the physios. They did some aggressive ultrasound and all these electrodes and all these, all these treatments. Which which helped with circulation of the blood and all that stuff and um, and we did that for a couple of days kept icing brought the swelling right down made the ankle feel really 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 good almost a hundred percent more or less but it was still fractured so I still had to be very very careful and then um, on the day um, I got a, a local good local anesthetic injection in my ankle to give it a little bit more numbing and they taped it up really well and I went out competed and I won and I qualified. I won the I won the I won the Oceana championships, the qualifications for the 2000 Olympics and after 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 the day I was my ankle was sore again, it was injured, but I was very happy because I qualified for the 2000 Olympics and it was a very very rewarding experience for me. So you qualified in the Oceania. This was how many months before the Olympics themselves? It would have been, it would have been, um, maybe maybe six months before. I don't remember the exact dates. I think it would have been around, around February, and and the Olympics were further down. So, because I remember I went to Kazakhstan for training camp, and Kazakhstan. To, yeah, yeah, to Kazakhstan. Okay. And um, and I was there for for about three or three and a half months, and then I went to Canada to meet up with the rest of the team over there, and. Um, and yeah. Okay, I gotta ask, what was Kazakhstan training camp like? It was awesome. They've got the, they've got, a, they've got, it was, don't forget, Kazakhstan's former Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. So they've got all the, all the Russian, all the Russian technology, all the Russian strengths we met. We had the, we had the world championships, the junior world championships in 99, and um, the Russians, the Kazakhstanian team came over, and my coach became really good friends with the Kazakhstanian team. And they they said they invited us to go if we ever need to go and train over there for preparations or whatever. You're more, more more than welcome. Keep in mind that Kazakhstan like they've got they've got very good um, um results in 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 the Olympics and World Championships in in boxing in in, in wrestling freestyle Greco in judo like they they they're uh, they're definitely a, a top nation to compete. Mm-hmm. They they're, they're up there with um. Was, with the big countries. This is sort of a, a maybe a bit of a side tangent, but did, did you grow up speaking Russian? Yes. Did you find that that helped a lot when you went to the definitely training camp? Definitely, yeah, yeah. In terms of like understanding what they're saying, or in terms of like feeling a greater sense of camaraderie with the people there? Um, just everything. Just um, speaking the language, you can communicate. You know, so easy to make to make conversation. Easy to make friends. Easier also to understand what the coaches want from you. Mm-hmm. Um, easier to be trusted because you speak the language. Yeah. Fair. Okay, so you went to Kazakhstan, you did the training camp, then went to Canada, met up with the team, and then what was it? What was what were the actual like weeks like leading up to the Olympics? Um, well, my 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 uh, preparations were actually really really bad. Um, the reason I left Kazakhstan is because I was getting I was getting a lot of injuries and then I got a skin infection, which forced me to to leave, like an emergency to leave. So I can get I can get I can get it I can get tre- treated. Shit! How bad was the skin infection? It was like um, I was getting um, I was getting boils on my on my left arm. Um, yeah. I was they they got me to wrestle one of their wrestlers over there that was recovering from a. Uh, from the skin infection, 
and 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 I I believe he's, he passed it on to me through through the mats. So sometimes you can get you can get you can get dangerous. Like I mean, you, you can get because it's a body contact sport. Yeah, sure. So it's very important to make sure after your training sessions to have have a good shower, to clean yourself, to make sure you've got no no scratch. And if you've got scratches, it's good to put disinfectant on it and stuff like that. So it doesn't, so your body doesn't get um, infected. So anyway, so I've got, I've got these, I've got one there and then the one became two and then two became four. And then I've got like five or six of them on one arm. So I just had like had these really big painful pimples on there. So I went to Canada, they put me on antibiotics and um, they cleaned, cleaned the hand quickly. And then within a week it was all gone. It was fantastic. It was, it was it was treated really really good, aggressively, and, and and it cleared up. And then I started training, and everything was started going well. Did a competition over there. Did did well in the comp, and I was um, I was doing I was doing I was doing well. And then as it, as as we're getting closer to the Olympics, um, my my wisdom tooth started to grow in in in, in, in my in my in the back of my mouth, and um. It created um, a lot of discomfort in my in my jaw because um, a few years back I, I was doing security work and I had I was breaking up a fight and 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 I was hit in the face and um, that cracked my cracked my jaw and I had to get a couple of plates put in the front of my jaw and I had to get one plate put in the back of my jaw and when my wisdom tooth started to grow it started to push that plate and it and it caused a lot of inflammation in my jaw and I had to rush. Back to Australia to quickly get the operation done, the booking for an operation, which was good because I told them I'm getting ready for the Olympics. This and that, I need to get the operation as done as fast as possible. So they, they they did it. That made me a priority, and they did it quite good. And then for the first, and then and then as we we're going into the Olympics, I was very lucky that the our sport was right at the end of the Olympics. So the Olympics goes for two two weeks roughly. So this was towards the end of it. So. So when when I had the operation, and then a couple of weeks before I went into the Olympic Village, you know, so I had I had I had a, I had a few weeks to to prepare a little bit, but it wasn't nearly enough. My first match was with the Russian. He ended up winning the gold medal in my weight division, and I lost to him. So, Oof. so yeah, that's tough. It's yeah, it's tough. So the guy you fought your first fight against, he ended up getting the gold. Adam Saitiev, his name is Adam Saitiev. Yeah, he he was he was undefeated that year. And just he 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 fought in the final. This guy uh, Romero. He currently Romero currently competes in the UFC right now. He's going to be fighting Robert Robert Whitaker mm-hmm. in the next fight. It's actually pretty exciting stuff. So Romero is a bit of a specimen. Very 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 strong strong athlete. He's um in. Roughly the same age as me, so I'm 42, so he must be around the same age, maybe a year younger. <clears throat> so he, he must have been, in the, he's been in the game then for decades. Yes. Wow. So Romero, he was in that, he was in that Olympics as well? 2000 Olympics, yes. And he, and he ended up playing for, he was against Adam. For Adam the in the final, so he got a silver medal. Jeez. So what, do you remember like going into your first fight? Did you know how good this guy was? Did you have an idea? Oh, uh, I, I, he 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 was never a champion, like a world Olympic champion, but he was he was a Russian competitor. Everybody from Russia is an animal. <laughs> <laughs> That's a quote for the top of the podcast. Everybody from Russia is an animal. Jeez. And 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 um, if you're Australian but you're from Russia, you're still an animal. He he was just more of an animal than I was. <laughs> oh man, ego! I don't know that we can broadcast this. We'll try. We'll try. But what but, do you mean? Nah, we'll we'll broadcast it. It's fine. But um, but what's what's your like when you say that? Like, do you, do you, when you were in in like the game like hard like that? Did you actually go in? You're like, oh, he's from Russia. This is going to be a hard fight. Is that what? Well, <clears throat> at Olympic level, every every athlete that qualifies for the Olympics has to be the best in his country and has to be the best in his, in his region. Or if you're in Europe, for example, you have to get top eight in the European championships. If you're qualifying in America, you've got to be like top six in the Pacific, Pan Pacific mm-hmm. championships. If you're qualifying for Asia, 
you get to, you got to get top four in in the Asian comps. If you're competing in the Oceania, you got to get you got to win the Oceania to qualify for the Olympics. Um, so every every region has its own qualifications. Yeah. So Russian qualification is particularly difficult. Russia fall under the European, so they have to get top eight or top ten in the European Championships, or the year before they have to win or get or get top three in the World Championships. If you're a medalist, top three in the World Championships before, I think you get automatic qualification into the Olympics. Your top three from before, so that makes it harder for Europeans to qualify. Well, there'll be there'll, there's a lot more, lot more, lot more wrestlers. There's a lot more competitors. Um, quality, quality dudes, you know, you're competing like with um, a lot of countries. Like for example, before when the Soviet Union was united, and when they were competing as a country, that means um, there was only one person out of the whole Soviet Union that would compete in that weight division. Now, when the Soviet Union collapsed, you've got about 13 different countries that are former Soviet Union. Um, like off the top of my head, you've got Ukraine, you've got Russia, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, Lithuania, Lat- Lat- Latvia, all, all Georgia. You've got all, all, all these countries that have their nationals now and they select the best out of their country to, to, to go. So theoretically, um, before when, when the Soviet Union would have their nationals, it would be like a miniature world championships and the winner out of the Soviet Union competition would go to the world championships and a very big percentage, like 90% of the time, they would win the gold medal. If not, they'll definitely get a top three. Very rarely a weight division on the podium very rarely there was that you you wouldn't see a, a Russian. You will always see a Russian on the podium. Most of the time, gold. If not, it would be silver or bronze. These days, it's still very similar. Like Russians are still on 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 the top of the chart. Sure, you've got like Americans that are doing very well. You've got Iranians doing very well. You've got the Japanese that are doing very well. You've got the you've got a lot of countries that that are awesome competitors. Saying that. When I've done some research, a lot of these countries have Russian coaches. <laughs> so it just shows that the Russian style of training, the Russian mentality, especially in these contact sports, have 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 um, have a lot of a lot of a lot of base, a lot of um, confidence, and a lot of success. What the, is it that puts the Russians ahead? It's a good question. Russian toughness, Russian strong. It's it's a hard one. Like I mean, generally when you when you when you've got people going through tough times, they they um, and when they have an opportunity to succeed, they take they take that 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 depression that they've gone through, and they 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 work extra hard. They work extra hard to succeed because they've got nothing to lose. And I've heard similar stories to you know. Like, for example, let's take a superstar of today's day. Let's take LeBron James, for example. He's come up from very tough times, from poverty and um, through hard work. Sure, he was a specimen. He was, yeah. he was a genetic freak. Yeah. But that alone does not make a champion. Even though you're a genetic freak, you still need to work hard. You still need to wake up early. You still need to... Be determined. You have self determination. Still, you still got to have the good work ethics. Be a good teammate. You know. Yeah. So. Um, so Russians have it extra tough. Yeah, it was. It was. It was tough. Like we came out here in '79. It was tough. It was still Soviet Union back then. Like my parents never really had anything good to say about Russia, especially if you're a Jew. If you're a Jew growing up in Russia, on your passports, when it talks about nationality, you know, you're a Jew. You're Jewish. For your nationality, that's what it said. And um, whenever you go, my parents are always telling me whenever you're going for a job interview, this and that, if they had, if they, say if they had three people 
three people or how many people because I've had three people going for the interview and 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 two of the people were overqualified very 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 good education this and that they they they've done really well at school um and then you had one guy who was a bit of a bum schlep or whatever you know what I mean mm. nothing special just pulled his way and then they'd have a look at uh, the nationalities the one that was Russian happened to be the person that wasn't as smart as the other guys and the guys that were really smart and really deserved the job they didn't get the job because they were Jewish that would that would be like a general thing that would happen that's just how it was in Russia like I mean the anti-semitism was massive and yeah. still is still is you know you look at what's happening now in the world it's still anti-semitism still it's just getting revealed a lot more now because of internet yeah you, you can you can see what people their face value you know you can see when when people are bluntly posting up lies and and saying it's true it's like scary in a sense very scary and especially if you've got kids you know yeah very concerning i rem- i remember specifically as i i dated someone from odessa and she said that there are people who would sort of identify just within within that region that people who'd be like oh i'm russian people would be like oh i'm a ukrainian the people would be like oh i'm a desin i'm not even ukrainian but then even within that like the jews they wouldn't they would they wouldn't be sort of they wouldn't they wouldn't feel accepted into broader society and they wouldn't identify in broader society like it actually said it wouldn't say russian on your passport if you're jewish it would say jewish even even till this day like if i'm if i'm if i'm working on a building site or if i'm from working around somewhere like i don't advertise that i'm jewish unless somebody asks me like if i'm going if i'm working on a building site and there's going to be 20 20 levels or 50 levels or whatever there you know what i mean and we we come across pals and we talk and they go where are you from because they always first thing that say what's your name oh my name is Igor so i've got a russian name so where are you from I go oh, from russia they go oh, you're a good guy they like you generally because russia supplies weapons to these countries that's why they like you because you're russian that's their mentality to them you're a political ally yes wow that's that's my impression how again and and, and and if if i was to tell them i'm jewish a lot of the time it's like you can just see the eyes like straight away you can you, that's my that's that, that's my experience that i've had with with people like that some and some people some people might say yeah yeah it's it's okay jewish good yeah whatever but down down deep inside like i mean you can see you know is that something you feel like you picked up from your parents that not advertising the fact that you're jewish um possibly possibly like it's, not, it's not, i don't deny it mm-hmm. like i got my facebook while i got my tefillin on and i'm next to the i'm next to the wall you know like i mean i'm not i'm not i'm not, I'm not, I'm not denying that, that that i'm a jew Yeah. Like I'm a proud Jew. But just to like if I see there could be danger. Mhm. Why create danger? Right. You know? Right. Why create why create just 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 because I want to be proud, like I have to you know, if somebody asks me if somebody's interested, it's cool, but if they ask me, I'm not lying. They ask me where you born. I was born in Odessa, Ukraine. I was born in Russia. Yeah. That's where I was born. This is I want to talk more about uh your Judaism but I want to just circle back around for now to the Olympics going in going in for this this first fight against Adam do you remember what what your mentality was going on do you remember what the the actual scene well yeah I was just getting ready for another match just you know had had thousands of matches before that you know just getting ready for another match getting ready to and go and hopefully win, you know? But it didn't work out that way. <laughs> yeah. Then when when you came out, do you remember what that felt like? Like <clears throat> being in the stadium? Yeah, it was it was a great experience walking out, you know, everyone's cheering for you, you know what I mean? Everybody's you know, supporting you. It's in your country, it's in your home country. A lot of people came to watch me. It was just a, a pity I couldn't perform better. Yeah. Which well, I mean, uh the the person i the person you were fighting against is there like a, a tell like is there a moment you can be like oh man this this guy is not going down easy 
No, look, you know, it's we're all equal. We're all, there's a way in. Everybody weighs the same. Yeah. Didn't seem super strong or anything like that. He just, um, he just had really, really, really good, um, really good endurance, really good timing, really good angles in his positioning and, and, and in his attacking. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was just, it was just better than me. Better preparations, better training camps, better support. What was it like for you after the fight when you realized that 2000 Olympics wasn't going to happen for you? After Olympics was very, very depressing for me. So um, I remember when I was going, I was going back home to to my parents' house after the the Olympic Village. So I was still in my uniforms. I still had my my pass with the Australian pass, that identification pass. So you you for security pass. So you you can go on all the public transports. You can go in and out of the Olympic Village. It gets you to all the venues. And then I remember after Olympics when um, I just had to get home and I'm going on the bus and I'm showing the pass and then the bus driver says, it's not valid anymore, you have to pay. And I didn't have, and I didn't have any money to pay for a bus ticket. So it was a big, big um, eye-opener to reality that, um, you know, I had to say, oh, can you let me on? I, do, I don't have any money. I just need to get home now. I just left the Olympic Village. I was in my Australian uniform and all that stuff. And, yeah, it was just like going from a big high to going to a big low. And it took, 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 um, took a while to get, to get readjusted. You know, nothing's forever. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds really tough. Oh, look, you know. I think uh, I think it was still worth going the experiencing the Olympics and all that stuff experiencing um, experiencing that event you know you you know it still prepares you for life you just have to you know you got to roll with the punches yeah so in the months after the Olympics did you get back into wrestling or did you take a break yeah, I never, I never really stopped. Just kept going. So this, the following year was another national. So competed at that, won that, and then there was another tournament. I think it was East Asia Games in Japan on two thousand two. It was the Commonwealth Games. Um, so I had to win the nationals, qualify, go to these competitions. So I just kept doing what I was doing. Just kept wrestling. I was doing door work at the time, security work, maybe a little bit of personal training. And um, yeah, it was just, I was just um, living more or less of just very physical life, just, just, just train and, and um, compete for the country. Yeah. Some, sometime after that, you ended up going to Yeshiva. Oh yes, that was uh, <clears throat> two thousand to end of two thousand and three. So there was a world, yeah, there was a world championships in that year, Madison Square Gardens. I went, I went over there, and then I went to Yeshiva instead. Didn't compete at the world championships. Whoa! Yeah, you were booked for Madison Square Garden. Yeah, you didn't. You just didn't compete. No, I was going, that's when the September 11 hit and there was a lot of stuff happening in the world and uh, I was going through a, an enlightenment, more or less, of trying to find God and spirituality. And I, I, went, I went to Yeshiva, Seagate, the first Menachem. <laughs> where, where is, where's the first Menachem? In Seagate. Seagate. Next to Brighton Beach. Oh, Brooklyn. So you were right in the area? When when the games were happening, Madison Square Garden. Well, I I I went to Shiva after that. Okay. Yes. So what? Okay. What What's the story there? How? What made you decide to flip? It's a good question. I could never really answer it. Like I mean, I had had friends that um I came across. They came from Russia at a late age, and and um. They got a circumcision when I was like 30 or 40 years old 
And, mm-hmm. I, and, and to me, I, I didn't understand why they would do that at such a late age. And they were, they, were, they were explaining to me the importance of the mitzvah and certain things like that. So I just, um, I, um, you know, started, you know, going to shul a little bit with, with, with some of my friends. Another friend wanted to donate a lot of money to build a synagogue. You know, just just trying to... Because before I didn't really understand spirituality, didn't understand religion. My understanding was that religion caused wars. But it's not religion caused wars, it's people that causes wars. But religion in itself... I try to understand what the word religion really means, but I like to use observance. Mm-hmm. Observance makes more sense to me. Try to do, trying to be observant with mitzvahs to try and serve God better. Then you felt at that point that competing in the world championships wasn't in alignment with that. Well, I was I started. I was starting to keep Shabbat, mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, I was, I was trying to understand what's the right thing to do, you know, like my matches were on Shabbat. And I was trying to get my matches off Shabbat. And then it was just, I wasn't in the right mindset at that time. And I just um, decided to to go to 770 instead. And, 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 and I went there, just got my bags and I left. And uh, the Australian, the Australian team were very upset. But... life, you know, move on. Wow. Get over with it. Wow. Just upped and left. Went yeah. to went to seven seventy. Yeah. So seven seventy is um, for those listening who, who don't know. It's the what? What would you? How would you describe seven seventy? The headquarters of the Chabad movement yeah. in New York, of where the leader of our generation. Is <laughs> um, so um, Rabbi Menachem and Shnison. Um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a very special place. Hmm. Do you remember what it was like arriving there in seven seventy? Yeah, I was just on a spiritual high. I was just happy. Um, I just wanted to connect with God, and I just wanted to. Um, I wanted to not, I wanted to be higher than a cockroach. Higher than a cockroach? Yeah. Okay, enlighten me. Well, a cockroach, when it lives, it does what it expected to do. It does what it was created to do, be a cockroach. A person is created to do deeds of goodness and kindness. And to make this world a dwelling place for God. That's a purpose of creation. And if we do that, we're fulfilling our purpose and we become on a, on a level of equal to a cockroach or higher. But if you don't do what you're fulfilling to do, you're lower than a cockroach. Wow. That's my kind of understanding. Wow. That's really something. Uh, when so you went through uh, a few years then of intensive religious study or observance study yeah I was in yeshiva from the time I arrived to the time I got married was was just under two and a half years two and a half years and then we let, left came back to Australia so about two years of study and then you got married and what were those what were those two years like for you um, for me I had a really good experience in yeshiva. I really enjoyed my time there. Um, pretty much I was just studying 10, 10, sometimes more hours a day. Wow. You know, then you had prayers and all that stuff. So, so just, I was just, I just immersed myself into, into the yeshiva life. Um, like I said, I, I really wanted to know God. So I was trying to connect with God on a spiritual level. Um, I'm still trying to know God, but yeah, it's a very, very complex topic. Sure. So, um, 
with a lot of the times no answers. Yeah. That makes sense. Of course. Yeah. Do, do you feel that so many years later that the time you spent there still influences your life today? Definitely. I'm definitely influenced still with certain certain understandings and certain top topics that, that, that make sense to me. Um, and I find it difficult to, to, um, to accept a lot of the lies in the world that people bluntly speak. And, and a lot of people don't even realize that they, that they're lies, <laughs> the people that are listening. And a lot of the times people that are sharing it, it makes sense to them at the time. But a lot of time people don't, seems like they don't do any research to find out the truth or if it's just propaganda yeah. for whatever topic it is at the time. Uh, let's move on to your uh, career as, as a teacher of wrestling. When did that start for you? When did you decide that's something you wanted to do? Um, well, I always, always, um, I always help people that that wanted help. So I was always, was always subconsciously helping with with teaching techniques and all that stuff in wrestling. Um, but not not up until I'd say two thousand. Well, actually, before I went to New York in two thousand two, two thousand three, I was already teaching. And then I went to New York, I did a little bit of teaching over there. And then when I came back in 2007, I started teaching again. And that just progressed into, into a pretty, pretty decent school that we have now. It's called Eagle MMA. And um, yeah, we're in the heart of Bonner Junction and we, we've, we've, got, we've got a little over 100 students. And a lot of them, a lot of them are competing and doing quite well. Are you taking more students at the moment? Yeah, yeah. Look, you know, we, we're always, we're always um, trying to expand and, and get more. If someone wants to get in touch and come train with you, how how can they reach you or the school? Well, they could contact me through Instagram or Facebook. Send me a message. What's your Instagram, Facebook? Um, it's just my name, Igor Proporshikov. Okay. I-G-O-R-P-R-A-P-O-R-S-H-C-H-I-K-O-V. Okay, we, we should have the spelling in the title of this episode. Yeah, Proporshikov has 14 letters, just like, <laughs> just like Schwarzenegger. Ah. 14 letters. And if the world can learn to spell Schwarzenegger. It can learn to spell Proporshikov. Exactly right. You know, I was trolling through your Instagram before um, for this interview, and I found this quote from Aristotle about something to the effect of um, it's really important for um, people to train their physical development before their mental development. Yeah, it's um, what it said is, um, just give me a second, I'll tell you exactly what it said. It is clear that in the process of general education, Motor skills development must be prior of the development of the mind and physical education should be prior of mental education. And then it continues and it says, it follows that the boys should be given into the hands of teachers of gymnastics and wrestling. The first, the first one would lead body to right conditioning and the second would develop their agility. And this, this is um, said by Aristotle, who was the personal teacher of Alexander the Great. Wow. That quite resonates with you. Totally. It um, couldn't get closer. It's like, you know, it is what it is. It's exactly what I do. I, 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 I teach movement, gymnastics, and I teach grappling, wrestling. You uh, have... I trained a lot of local, maybe yeshiva-educated Jewish guys, <clears throat> so people for whom there was maybe like no, very little or no uh, physical training before they 
came to see you, but a lot of mental training. Have you seen transformations in, in your students in that way? Sure, the ones that make make an effort and, and, and see the importance of physical activity, you know, they progress. They progress mind, body and spirit. Because after all, we're in a we're living in a physical world, mm-hmm. not a spiritual world. So what that says to me is that you need to have a good balance in this life. A good balance of mind, body and spirit. You know, you can't be 100% spiritual in a physical world. It doesn't make sense. But you can elevate physical things to, to, to serve as a higher purpose so you can get spiritual and get closer to your creator, so to speak. That makes sense. Yeah. I remember hearing as well... Um, uh... It was Richard Branson, I think, was asked if it's if there's like one thing, one tip you have for people uh, who are starting out in business to be better at business, what would that be? And Branson like thought about it and thought about it and then said, work out. That seems to have a lot of the same implications here. Well, when you're working out, generally, when you're doing what, when you're working out, let's let's take one exercise. Let's take push-ups, for example. Yeah. So what you can do today will be the best that you can do today. But what you can do tomorrow or in a week time, if you're staying consistent with your workout, you will improve and you will keep improving. You'll improve with better form. You'll improve with more rest. You'll improve with... So you, 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 you'll improve, generally in three ways you'll improve. You'll improve by having good form. You'll improve by doing more reps. You'll improve by having less rest. And you can improve by making it harder for you, by making it heavier, by putting weight resistance on you. Um, and with, with, with time, you, you, will, you will excel, you will improve. So if you, if you take that, that, that concept in business... And you keep just pushing and working and working to try to improve your business. If you take that same concept as people taking training and you put it to business, you should flourish. There's no reason why you wouldn't flourish. Beautiful. Hey, if, if you um, had a message to young people who are trying to succeed in uh, developing themselves physically or mentally, what would that, what would that be? If I could give young people a message, um, get yourself into a into a clean, healthy, structured routine, and 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 stick by it. What would that look like practically? Well, if if let's say if you're gonna add training to your schedule, you'd want to pick let's say three sessions a week that you would structure out carefully like let's say Monday, Wednesday, Friday for example let's say 6 or 7 a.m. for one hour you make that very important and you will not miss and you will you will do that and you will start progressing into your fitness so you do that in the beginning you make a priority if if you're praying or whatever you're doing you're going to make sure you stick to the schedule. You make sure you stick to your routines. Stay strong with your beliefs. If it's keeping Shabbat, if it's keeping kosher. If it's if it's going into business, you know what I mean? You need to figure out the protocols that you need to do on a day-to-day that's going to get you progressing forward. If you're doing real estate, you've got to get into systems that's worked in the past and you might change a few things here and there that's going to progress with the time. But the main thing is you're constantly doing something that's getting you closer to the goal, constantly pushing forward. Like in a wrestling match, you got to keep moving forward, keep going, keep going, keep going. You don't, you don't, you don't back off. You just got to keep moving forward. Try and get your opponent tired. Try and get them off balance. 
try to fake one direction, go the other direction and keep pushing forward. Just keep distracting and keep moving, keep not giving up. Find an angle, try to be like water. <clears throat> water can be still, can be very calm, can can fit into any any environment, can fit into any crack, go through any crack. But at the same time, it can be quite destructive as well, like a tidal wave, for example, or a broken dam and all the water starts rushing through and just breaks up all the houses that, that, that it goes through. So, trying to like water. Like Bruce, it's one of Bruce Lee's um, philosophical talks. Be like water. Be like water. Water. Igor, I could talk to you for hours, but that's all we have time for today. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Yechia Melech HaMashiach. Yechia Melech, brother. Aaron Walker and Daniel Kenny. This is General Ike building Jerusalem.